0: Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, we're going to go to the book of Colossians. Amen. The third chapter, we'll be reading verses 1 and 2. And uh, thank you, Pastor Sutton, and thank you, New Life family. We appreciate all of your prayers. We feel it. And uh, we, we, we have received... Uh, support of all kinds from from this church, and we're thankful for it. Um, I don't, I don't want to try to do the work of God by myself, and uh, I don't want to do it without God, and I don't want to do it without God's people. And so we love and appreciate everyone here, and uh, we love and appreciate the fact that we know there's people in, uh, in Alabama praying for us. Amen. Um, I've been gone from, my, from home for, I think now we're going on eight or nine days. But uh, I was glad to hear today that we broke our attendance record. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. And, uh, I I got really bold and told the church, uh, I, we have a very small building. It's only about 600 square feet and uh, it seats exactly 40 people. Amen. And so today they had to put extra chairs out. Hallelujah. So we're excited about that. Praise God. Amen. Uh, I, I got really bold and told church, we're going to break 40 by December, but it took a few extra months, but amen. Jesus did it. Hallelujah. And uh, I want them to keep doing it. Praise God. So we love and appreciate all of you. Amen. Book of Col- Colossians chapter three, verse number one and number two, the word of the Lord says, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Verse number two, set your affection on things above and not things on the earth. And I want to preach to you tonight on this very simple subject the bigger picture. The bigger picture. Amen. This congregation is getting bigger, you're in a bigger building. And our only challenge now is to keep our eyes on the bigger picture. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your power. God, we're asking you that you would bless these remaining moments of the evening. Lord, I'm asking you tonight, hallelujah, that you would touch me and grace me and allow me to speak as the oracles of the Lord to your people. And everyone said, in Jesus' name. Let's give Jesus a great big hand clap of praise before we're seated. And as you're clapping, I want you to shout, speak to me, Jesus. Come on, say it again. Speak to me, Jesus. Hallelujah. Shake your neighbor's hand. Give them a great big God bless you and you may be seated. In the year of 1993, a small band of photographers got together and they formed a group called the Bang Bang Club. It consisted of four photographers whose purpose was to chronicle the events and the atrocities which were taking place in South Africa. One of the photographers, a man by the name of Kevin Carter, decided in the middle of their chronicling to break away from the group and to head toward Sudan there he witnessed an event that would change his life forever I have seen the picture that he took on that day it is without question the most disturbing picture I've ever seen in all of my life Kevin Carter stepped into a small makeshift camp where they were feeding the hungry He said there was a woman there who was breastfeeding her child and the child and the woman, the woman was extremely sick and malnourished and restless and the child was restless and supplies were running out and now bodies were deteriorating and people were beginning to die even in the middle of this relief camp. And the baby became restless and the woman was in and out of consciousness and the child fell off of his mother's lap and took off running. Kevin Carter stood back and saw this taking place and the child ran out into the middle of a field and he fell almost in a praying position. He was on his knees and his face to the dirt Kevin Carter looked behind the child and there were some shrubs and bushes and they began to move. And from behind the shrubs and the bushes, there appeared a vulture. The vulture jumped over the little shrubs and the bushes and began walking towards the child. The vulture had been stalking the child and waiting for him to die. Kevin Carter said that he had just a few seconds to make a decision. And his decision was rather simple. Do I pick up my camera and take a picture of a vulture stalking another human being? Or do I go and chase the vulture off? I am saddened to tell you that he did not chase the vulture off. He picked up his camera and he began to take a picture of this atrocious scene. And I have seen the picture. And I'm telling you, I don't think I've ever seen anything that has bothered me more in my life. There will be times in life when all of us will find ourselves having to make quick decisions which have long-term effects. Kevin never could have imagined that just this bad decision at this split second would have very profound effects on his life. It wasn't until he got back to America, back into the comfort of his home, back into the normalcy of life, where he began to reflect and he realized just how bad The thing was that he did. In fact, it haunted him so much. He started winning all kinds of awards and and, and prizes for this picture. But this picture haunted him so bad. The decision he made in that second haunted him so bad that he ended up taking his own life. I want to preach to you tonight, amen, about keeping your eyes on the bigger picture. I want to preach to you tonight about no matter what happens, no matter how much pressure begins to get around you, no matter how much things begin to seem awkward and uncomfortable, you've got to do what's right at every turn and bend of life's road. Can I preach to you tonight about everyone's one of everybody's favorite biblical personas, Job. Job's wife insisted that he make a decision which would have permanent effects on his life. And she wanted him to make a decision immediately based on a trial that had only been going on for a short amount of time. To make matters worse, she expected him to make the decision right there and right then. She told Job, do you still retain your Integrity curse God and die. Here Job is. Definitely at the bottom of the barrel. He definitely feels kicked. He definitely feels down. And he's definitely weak in every sense of the word. But he looks at his wife and he responds to her in Job 2 and 10. And he says unto her, thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. What shall we receive good at the hand of God? And shall we not receive evil? And the Bible goes on to say, in all this did Job not sin with his lips? Uh, Job had a split second to make a lifelong and eternal decision. Job had a split second to open up his mouth and say something, amen, that could have ruined him forever. But he said, I'm not going to let the pressure of this moment make me turn on God. I'm going to keep my eyes on the bigger picture. I'm going to look at my whole life. I'm not going to just look at this one moment. I'm going to look at a few years back. And I'm also going to believe about a few years from now that God is going to show his goodness. Goodness to me again. God hasn't always been this way. God hasn't always allowed these things. Uh, I'm not going to throw away my relationship with God right now just because I'm going through a bad time. I'm preaching to somebody. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, hallelujah, God wants us amen to lift up our eyes tonight. Uh, don't look at one bad month, one bad week, one bad year, two bad years, three bad years. You know better than I do that God's been good to you for a long, long time and it's not not time to quit.
1: Hallelujah.
0: Oh, Oh, come on, somebody. Come on, I'm preaching right now. Hallelujah. Oh, come on. Come on, give God a hand praise that he deserves. Give God the hand praise he reserves. Oh, come on. Come on. Oh, Come on, the devil's been telling you to curse God. Why don't you praise him instead? The devil's been telling you to talk foolish. Why don't you open your mouth in wisdom right now and declare the wonders of God and declare the goodness of God and declare the blessing of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. 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 And this is just kind of, you know, a pro tip. Amen. A little Pentecostal pro tip for you. But there's been so many times in my life where I thought, man, I just, I can't wait for this trial to end. Uh, amen. But in the thick of it all, when, it, when I just can't seem to find my orientation, I've done it more than once and it works every time. I'll pull up a chair. I'll sit in the chair. I'll put another chair right in front of me. I don't care what people think. And I'll start talking just like Jesus was sitting in that chair. And I'll start from the very beginning of my life to where I'm at at that moment. And I will begin to remind God of all the, well, really, I'm reminding myself of all the good things he has done. Uh, Hallelujah. And if I can't find any more else to praise him about, I'll start telling him about all the good things he's done in the the Bible. Hallelujah. And, brother, I'm telling you, whether I come out of that trial or not, at that moment, I feel better. Uh, My perspective has changed. Uh, I feel stronger. Uh, I feel blessed. I feel. Come on. We can get bitter or we can get better. I want to get better. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, come on, new life. Let's give God a good Sunday night. I ain't going nowhere. This is my pew. I'm going to lift up my eyes and see the bigger picture. Oh, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, amen. Let me preach to you about Joseph. When Joseph was tempted by Potiphar's wife, Joseph had a few seconds to make a decision that would affect the rest of his life. In fact, the bigger picture in Joseph's life was that if he would have fell with Potiphar's wife, it would not just have affected him, it would have affected his father. It would have affected his brothers. It would have affected his children's children and his children's children's children. Hallelujah. We, we, in fact, had he fallen in that split second, we might not even be preaching about Joseph tonight. He would have just been old Joe from the block. He would have just allowed himself to be numbered among everybody else. But Joseph held his integrity and he said, I don't care what I'm feeling right now. I don't care about how much my flesh is burning up right now. I don't care about the fact that that we are alone. I don't care about the fact that I've been alone. I don't care about the fact that I've been forsaken, betrayed, upset, and I have all kinds of excuses to fall. Joseph said, I'm going to hold my integrity right here, right now, even if i got to run, even if i got to crawl out of this room. You ain't taking the promises from God from me in a split second. I've been through too much and I've gotten this far, and I'm not going to fall in just one Moment, I'm gonna get my eyes on the bigger picture. I'm getting out of here, I'm getting out of here, I'm getting out of this. God's gonna <laughs> hallelujah! Hallelujah. Oh yes, Potiphar was not there. The guards were not there. There might have not been any other servants there. But Joseph realized, God is right here. I may not feel him, but he's right here. I may not feel him, but he's right here. I may not see him, but he's right here. I don't care who's not here. God's here. And I'm going to hold my integrity. Proverbs 5 and 21 says, For the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he pondereth all his goings. Joseph understood. God is watching me right now and I'm not going to make a bad decision in a few seconds that can ruin the rest of my life. There's a bigger picture. There's a bigger plan. There's a bigger purpose. This is not about... Oh, come on. Hallelujah. 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 Hey, you know, and and, and maybe this is just too... You know, maybe this is too much of a practical application for some. But, but if I could just preach to the young people right now, there is no fornication worth thwarting the purpose of God in your life. I'm telling you, fornication will set you back. Amen. And let me preach to the adults. Adultery will set you back. Fornication will set you back. Sexual improprieties will set us back. I'm telling you, there's all kinds of blessings that God has for us, but there's one thing we gotta do. We gotta keep ourselves pure. I'm, te- I'm telling you right now, new life, if you keep yourself pure, God will let you partake of things that everybody else don't get to partake of. When David was running from Saul and had no bread, he came into the house of the high priest and he said, do you have any bread? He said, I only got holy bread around here. He said, and if the men that are with you have kept themselves from women and have not fornicated, they can partake of this holy bread. And David said, my men have stayed clean. He said, then go ahead and eat the holy bread. And David and his men got to eat some bread that day that normal men don't eat of come on do you want that bread do you want that come on there's a blessing for a pure church come on come on I'm preaching to you single person I don't care how lonely you are I don't care how long you've been single I don't care who walked out on you stay pure and eat of the holy bread hallelujah Somebody give Jesus a hand, praise right now. Oh, come on, come on, come on. Hallelujah, come on, come on. The Holy Ghost is talking to somebody right now. Oh, somebody talk in tongues right now. I feel the power of God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, let's lift our hands right now and just pray. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. I am here. Oh, Jesus. I
2: said before you, a blank page. It's up to you. It's your decision. I can do what you want me to do. I can do what your actions dictate for me to do. It's completely up to you.
0: Oh, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Give God a hand of praise right now. He's talking. He's talking. Come on. Come on. He's talking. God's talking. That's what you came to hear, isn't it? God talking. Hallelujah. Hey. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to meddle for a few seconds, if you will allow me to. But let me speak to the men here at New Life. Not every woman that walks through these doors in the months to come is going to be saved. And not every woman that walks through these doors in the months to come is going to dress very saved. But I don't care how she's dressed. I don't care how she looks. Amen. Men of God, when you walk through that door, look not to the left nor to the right. Keep your eyes going forward. Stare at your wife. Oh, come on, come on, come on, come on, that's good preaching, come on. You know what? I'm telling you, there is nothing like the power of God. Amen. There are spirits of lust that attach themselves to people. They appendix themselves onto people, and they want to continue to victimize and to, to destroy those people. Amen. The devil needs to know that there is a church that will not cooperate with that spirit, that will defy that spirit on the most fundamental and rudimentary levels. The de- We need to serve notice on the devil. I don't care how you send her in, this man will keep his eyes looking forward. And by the time the altar call hits, she's going to get so shook by the Holy Ghost, she won't dress like that when she come back next week. She's going to get so shook by the Holy Ghost, she'll pray through before. Come on. Yes, I believe. Hey, you know what? I'm I- I- I'm telling you, I believe what I'm preaching to you. Come on. Come on. Ah, Jesus. Amen. And if I could just preach to the single ladies, every man that prays through here is not a potential husband. Hallelujah. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't be running up here like a wolf pack looking to catch some man. Hallelujah. You come up in here looking for Jesus and let him get you a man. Hallelujah. But you leave some of these men that come in here praying... You let them pray through and establish and walk with God. We don't need no mangelists walking around here. Hallelujah, just trying to hook a man every time he's speaking in tongues. Let the boy pray, let him find God. Let him get grounded. Hallelujah, you stay. Don't look to the left or to the right. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on the bigger picture. Come on, help Brother Prado preach right now. I feel the Holy Ghost. It's up to us. It's up to us. It's a door. Oh, for about five seconds, let's worship Jesus right now. In tongues, if you got the Holy Ghost right now. Woo! Oh, hallelujah. hallelujah. Ha. In the the of of Numbers chapter 20, verse verse Moses. Moses Moses is faced with a dilemma and we preached about it the other night and he has to make water come out from a rock and he's got a split second to make a lifelong decision. A decision that will affect him the rest of his life. And God tells him, Moses, talk to that rock. And Moses starts hitting that rock. Moses refused to communicate. In fact, if you read closely the life of Moses, that is one of his biggest struggles is communicating. God says, you're going to go to Pharaoh and talk to him. Moses says, I can't talk. All throughout his ministry, God keeps telling Moses, Moses, talk. And Moses says, I don't want to talk. He finds every excuse not to talk. He finds every excuse not to articulate and not to operate on a higher level. And when we refuse to operate on a higher level, there is no option but to operate on a lower level. I'll never forget the first time I asked my pastor, is there anything in between living for God and backsliding? I'm trying to find that middle ground. You know where you show up to church once a week and get 5%? Don't get quiet on me now. I'll never forget what he told me, and I thought, you stubborn Pentecostal. He said to me, Brother Prado, if you're not moving forward, you are backsliding, and there's nothing in the middle. There Oh, come on. I wanted him to give me some nice middle ground. He said, I'm not going to even let you get in the middle because it's when you're lukewarm and you're stuck in between hot and cold. He said, God will chew you up and spit you out right there. I'm not going to even give you, amen, an opportunity to fall into that class. He just basically told me, Brother Prado, get on fire or get out. Amen. That's just... Come on. Get your eyes on the bigger picture. God tells Moses, talk. Moses says, no. So Moses starts throwing blows. He starts banging on that rock. And before you know it, that one decision that he made so hastily ended up costing him so much. He literally beat his way out of the promises and out of the promised land. He literally plundered and beat down his opportunity to go further. Split decisions that affect the rest of our lives. We've got to keep our eyes on the bigger picture. Can you say amen? Amen. And I'm almost done preaching. Book of Psalm 73, a very familiar psalm. The Bible says that David looks around himself. And he becomes confused by the prosperity of the wicked. David's confusion blinded him from being able to see things as they really are. David's confusion and distress blinded him from being able to see the bigger picture. David's confusion, in fact, almost caused him to make a quick decision that would follow him the rest of his life. He says, but as for me. My feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. Verily, I had cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. Until, everyone say until. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I understood their end. In very simple terms, David says, I got to this situation in life where I didn't know if I was going to make it out and I didn't even understand why bad people seemed to prosper so much. And there was even times when I asked myself if all this living for God was in vain. He said, In fact, this situation got so, so hard for me. He says, It was so painful for me. He says, It was just not going in the right direction. My feet almost nigh slipped. He said, until I went into the sanctuary of God. Until I stepped into the church house. And then I saw the bigger picture. I saw that it's not always going to be this way. I saw that the wicked don't always prosper. I saw that God answers prayer. I saw that God rewards patience. I saw that God... Hallelujah! In order for David to understand things clearly, he had to enter into the house of God. There, he saw the eternal, and not just the end of how things appeared to be. Hallelujah! You got to get into the house of God. You've got to get into the eternal. You've got to ask God to get your affections and your eyes on things above. Hallelujah! Or else you will throw you will thwart the plan and the purpose of God in your life. You can't let bitterness get a hold. Of you. You know, I'm 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 almost done. Second Corinthians 4:17. The apostle Paul says, For our light afflictions, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal way to glory. The funny thing is. Paul said, I've been beaten, left naked, stoned, whipped. And he want to talk about these light afflictions? I, I don't think, I don't, th- that don't sound lightweight to me. What was it? How could David go, how could Paul go through all this and say, these are just light afflictions? I'll tell you how. He kept his eyes on the bigger picture. Proverbs. Proverbs says to the hungry man. Every bitter thing is made sweet. You want to know what God's remedy for bitterness is? Hunger. Hungry people. People. You see, hunger doesn't chase away bitterness. It changes bitterness. It changes the very way things taste. It changes perspective. Hungry for what, Brother Prado? Hungry for deliverance. Hungry for God's presence, hungry for God's blessings, hungry to not live, bitter, hungry to get out from under it all, hungry for a better life, hungry for all that God has for you. When you get hungry, I'm telling you right now, everything you've been through, everything you go through will change. Amen. Situations that you once considered bitter, ugly, and nasty, unfair, unjust, uh, and unimaginable, all of a sudden, you'll be able to look at that and say, man, I really grew through that hallelujah man i really became a better person through come on hunger may not change the past but it gives you a deeper understanding of what happened to you when you get hungry for god when you get hungry amen to be delivered when you get hungry for his blessings for his presence amen when you get hungry for it i'm telling you you will not have a bitter taste in your mouth god will make The Apostle Paul The Apostle Paul reflected over the whole of his life and over his ministry, and he said, "You know what? He said, "There's some people I discipled." He said, "And some of them now, they preach Christ out of contention, out of envy." He said, "Some, some of these knuckleheads even preach Christ to add affliction to my bonds. He is sitting in prison and there are guys running around who he discipled, preaching Jesus Christ in such a way that it is causing him trouble. It's keeping him in jail. It's keeping him in and out of jail. It's making people persecute him. And you know what Paul says? He said, but in all these things I rejoice and I will rejoice. Right. He said, because Christ is preached. What happened? How did this happen? I'll tell you what happened. Paul sat in that jail cell, and he got hungry for deliverance. He got hungry to not get bitter. He got hungry to see things in a different way. And I don't know how, and I don't know when, but I can only imagine one day waking up inside that jail cell. God said, I'm going to show you, amen, that I'm going to turn all this around and still work it out for the furtherance of the gospel. Paul, you don't need to get bitter. I'm going to make this whole situation sweet. Get bitter. Get hungry. Get hungry. Get hungry. Get hungry. Oh, come on! Oh, everybody, all across the sanctuary, clap your hands! Oh, hallelujah! let's all stand. You know, I was having, I was having lunch with Dawson and, and with uh, Stephen today and uh, they were asking me about some, some, some of my past and I began to tell them about how there was a time where I, I loved my mom, but I, I had to leave my mom's house literally from one day to the other. And I didn't know God back then and I was living with my dad and And I hated it. I didn't know my dad. I hadn't seen my dad for several years. And and now all of a sudden, through some very horrible circumstances, I was now having to live with my dad. And my mom, it wasn't so much her fault, but, you know, my mom's house was very unstable. But it was very dysfunctional, but that was all I ever knew. And my dad's house was not like that. My dad had some rules. My dad had a wife and kids, and they went to bed early and Woke up early and education came, was a high priority. And there was no drugs in the house and there was no drinking. And I'm telling you, for years I stayed bitter over how I had to leave my mom's house when I didn't want to. That I mean, that tormented me. Even after being saved, I just stayed bitter until I got in the Holy Ghost. And God showed me those were some of the best years of your life. Had, you never, had that never happened, you'd never know what it was like to live in a family. Had that never happened, you'd gone your whole life not knowing a healthy family environment. I wonder who God is going to talk to tonight and show them. I know, I know you're mad about this. I know you're mad about how this went down. I know you're upset, but if you would just get a little hungry... And if you would just talk to me. If you would just realize that this is a good opportunity for you to get your eyes on the bigger picture. God would penetrate that situation and show you something you've never seen. And you'll actually be able to walk out of this sanctuary today and say those light afflictions. Every hand lifted up right now. Hallelujah. And the robosatara lariabasa, Jesus. Oh, come on, let's pray, Jesus. Jesus. Come on, just a few seconds more. I'm going to open this altar here in just a little bit, but there's a very sweet presence of the Lord here right now.
2: For one that's hungry for righteousness. I'm looking for one that's hungry after me. That is the one that shall be feed. That is the one that I shall have a relationship with that is like no other relationship. There are relationships that take place with me but those that are hungry and thirsty After righteousness, they know me. They know when I am hungry. They are attentive to me, and I am attentive to them. Draw nigh to me, and I'll draw nigh to you.
0: Hallelujah. We got any hungry people in the house tonight? Come on, slip out of your chair. Oh, don't be embarrassed to ask the person next to you. Please pray for me. Hallelujah. As you lift your hands. Hallelujah. Why don't you come up to the front tonight? Hallelujah. Oh, da Come on, there's a hunger falling in this house. There's a hunger to get out from under the shadows of depression and bitterness.